But this morning in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, And there went, a man, there went a man of the house of Levi, and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him from an ark of bulrushes, and dabbed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river brook, the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said to his sister, to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a, a nurse of the Hebrew woman? Uh, and uh, that she may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Well, today we celebrate Mother. Happy Mother's Day to those of you in the room today, and thank God for mothers. It's often been said, outside the love of God for His creation, there is no greater love in all the world than the love of a mother for her child or for her children. We have many mothers in this room this morning, many are on the sound of my voice by way of internet, and yet some of our mothers live across town, across the state. Uh, some in another state in the Union, and some live in other countries uh, around this world today. But some of us have sad hearts this morning because our mothers have preceded us in death. And it will never be the same, I'm sure, for you. But thank God you have memories that time and death cannot eradicate from you. And memories indeed have to be made in advance. I trust today it will be a good day for all of our mothers, but I'm also very cognizant of the fact that speaking time directly to mothers in particular this morning, uh, but I want you to know that in some of the mothers may be here today or during the Mother's Day service may be uncomfortable at best for some of the women and painful uh, in, in general. And the reason being because there have been many women that have tried desperately without success uh, to bear children, for whatever reason, unable to do so. As a result of that, many uh, Mother's Day has left them with unfulfilled dreams. So this morning, I want you to know, I hope today the Mother's Day message will not bring pain to you. Whereas I want to talk about a particular mother in the Bible, Jochebed, I want you to know that I'll be speaking to mothers, but I want to be speaking to every one of us in this room this morning because I believe it to be a universal message. And I don't want to speak just to mothers only, but those in this room that aren't even married, those that have no children, those that may be single, those that may be single parents, and even those this morning that may be men and or young boys. The message, I think, we can see the message within the message itself. So that being said, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank each of the ladies in this church this morning for all that you do 
for the ongoing successful ministry of this church. Not only do you have a flesh and bone family, flesh and blood family, but you also part of the family and your life assembly of God. I thank you for the work that you do for this ministry, for the church, the prayers that you pray, for all the things that you do. We appreciate you very, very much, and we're grateful that you're here sharing your ministry through the auspices of this church. It's often been said uh, that the hand that rocks the cradle still rules the world. Have you know that to be true? I believe that to be true. I, I know being raised in the mountains, I'm sure we've all learned many, many things at the feet of our mother. Did your mother ever say anything like this? My mother taught me the appreciated job well done. If you're going to kill each other, go outside and do it. My mom told me about religion. You better pray <laughs> that comes out of that rug. Mom told me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. What about logic? Because I said so, that's why. Did your mother teach you about foresight? You better have on clean underwear just in case you're in an accident. What about irony? You keep crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, I heard that one a lot. My mother talked about osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. Mom told me about weather. It looks like a tornado came through this room. Did your mother teach you anything about the circle of life? I brought you in this world and I can take you out of this world. She tell you anything, teach you anything about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. <laughs> Did she teach you about envy? There are millions of less fortunate children out there that would love to have parents just like us. Did she teach you anything about anticipation? Wait till your daddy gets home. <laughs> teach you anything about receiving? You're going to get it when your father gets home. Teach you anything about how to become an adult? If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. Teach anything about genetics? You're just like your dad. Teach anything about wisdom? When you get my age, you'll understand. Teach anything about justice? One day, I hope you have a child just like you. Because I want to be there and see how you handle it. I heard that one a lot. True stories, true sayings are sometimes funny, aren't they? Moms, we love you and appreciate you. I grew up in a culture much different than the culture and environment of our day today. Many of you in this room did the same way. I watched some old reruns last week or so of the Donna Reed show, remember that? And also uh, Leave it to Beaver. In those old shows, they taught morals, they taught how to love parents and respect authority, and they taught about justice and taught about honor and authority and promoted respect. But I mean, we don't see much of that on our television screens today. It's just the opposite of those particular things. My mom influenced my life in a lot of ways, and I've often wondered where would I be today had it not been for the love and the understanding of a mother. I know many, many times in my life that my mother supported me when she probably did not support some of the decisions that I was going to make. I remember one time when I was about 17 years of age, I came home and I said, Mom, I'm going to buy a motorcycle. She said, why? I said, because the rest of us are. She never said no, but I know Mom was not a Christian, but I know Mom prayed. We went down about two hours away into a motorcycle shop and looked at airplanes and, I mean, looked at motorcycles and, and said, uh, come home and said, Mom, I decided not to, to, to buy a motorcycle. Well, thank God, why? I said, I'm going to start flying an airplane. Uh, so she encouraged me in that, I guess, along the way. You know, when we're children, where you and I be had it not been for moms that cared? When we're children, we understood our moms would go with us through thick and thin. 
they would put a Band-Aid on our scraped up knee and they'd clean our runny noses and they'd step with us all night long when we were sick. Mom would stand by there and clean our runny noses and wash our dirty faces and wash our dirty clothes and wash our dirty behind side. You know what I'm talking about. And yet we always stay close to our mom. As we got a little bit older, a little more independent, uh, we began to become little wisecrackers, didn't we? And now we get a little older and we think mom's one of the dumbest people that God ever put air in on this earth. And we began, went from stepping on mom's toes to begin stepping on her heart. And as we got a little older than that, we began to realize, you know, mom's not as dumb as we thought she was. Isn't it amazing how much smarter your parents get the older you are? Anybody ever had that situation happen? And yet we would understand as time went on uh, that moms were smarter than we gave them credit for. And then we come to the place in life we wish we could sit down one more time and have that intimate conversation with a woman who loved us unconditionally, supported us when they could not support us in our decisions, but yet we find that we miss them. Motherhood does not come, parenthood does not come, fatherhood does not come with an instruction manual outside of the Word of God itself. And the Bible is simply a basic information before leaving this earth. Most mothers recognize when they send their kids off to daycare in the morning or to the babysitter or to the elementary school, high school, middle school, college, and sometimes even we send them off to work, uh, we realize that bad things can cross their path no matter what their age will be throughout the day. They may be introduced to drugs, alcohol, gangs, pornography, and a list of other more temptations can be there. And friend, they've got to be strong to overcome uh, the culture in which we live. Our kids must be taught to swim upstream against the current of popularity in the world which we live in today. And they've got to be strong. In the past, our school system had dedicated themselves to help embellish and to embrace the principles that we would teach in home. They would also pray in school and read the Bible in school. Remember those days? And yet we try to build upon what we did in our Christian home with the principal and attitude, but not anymore. Too often our kids have no absolute standards of right and wrong in which to go by. As a matter of fact, they're taught you're either the victim or you have victimized somebody in the school systems that we live in today. And there are no absolute standards of right and wrong anymore. They say you might as well just experience it. Uh, there's going to be drugs. There's going to be alcohol. There's going to be sex. There's going to be pornography. There's going to be all kinds of this stuff. You might as well just deal with it. But I've got news for you, friend. The world can let their kids go to hell if they want to. God has given us responsibility, and it's not the government's responsibility to raise our children. It is our responsibility uh, to raise our children in the fear and the nurture of the Almighty God. Uh, people say, well, hey, I'm going to stay neutral when it comes to my kids' uh, religion. Let them work it out in themselves. That's the only thing you'll stay neutral in in their life. You pick out what socks they're going to wear, what shoes they're going to wear. You let them know everything where they're going to do in their life. It's, it's too late, friend, uh, to wait on them to find out their own way in life. We must instill before them uh, who Jesus Christ is. Uh, somebody came to Billy Graham many, many years ago and said, Dr. Graham, how old should my child be before I send him to Sunday school? And Dr. Graham said, how old is your child? And she said, seven years old. He said, my God, woman, hurry and get home. You're already seven years behind. 
we need to instill within their lives. So it's difficult being a Christian mom today, but as hard as it may be this morning, we need to realize that difficulties are not unique just to our time. Every generation of moms and dads and families have had challenges and yet opportunities of knowing how to raise their children today. In every age, motherhood has had its share of difficulties, had its share of frustrations, and has had its challenges in life. But today I want to talk about Jochebed, uh, the mother of Moses himself, uh, and it ha- uh, was raising him in a very difficult time and raising him in a pagan uh, society as well. Now, if you did not grow up in church and you don't know the story of Moses, or if you never saw the Ten Commandments played by Charleston Heston, uh, let me give you a little synopsis, if I may, of the life of Moses this morning. Uh, the Hebrews had been in Egypt for some 400 years. You recall the Hebrews had gone into Egypt uh, because there had been a famine within the nations of that hour. And yet God, through some very precarious situations, had called Joseph to go before them. And for 13 years before, Joseph goes in as a little boy, teenage boy, and he goes through the school of hard knocks. And I mean to tell you, he was lied upon, he was cheated upon, he was accused of things he never did. And as a result, he was faithful, faithful, faithful. Uh, He went into jail for things he was accused of. He was missing. I mean, the guy had a terrible life. But he stayed true to God's word because he knew God had a plan. God had made him a promise. And yet as God would have it, after about 13, 14 years, he now becomes second in charge, the vice president of all of Egypt during that particular time. And now as there's a famine in all the land, uh, uh, Joseph's family is starving to death. Uh, So he sends his family down, some of them, uh, to see if they can buy grain. And through a long process of time, we understand that was God's way of getting Joseph and his father and brothers and families uh, down into Egypt. So they were all invited down into Egypt uh, at Pharaoh's command, if you will, an invitation, and they stayed there in Goshen of being fed. But during that particular time, the Hebrews began to multiply in Egypt. Uh, So the the, the Pharaoh said, man, these people are multiplying like rabbits here. Uh, So we better put our thumbs on them and put them in slavery. Uh, So they began to put them in slavery and they made them work harder and harder for less and less. And then they continued to expand. They continued to multiply. And the Bible said there was a Pharaoh that did not know Joseph. So it was during that particular time that uh, Pharaoh said what we're going to have to do is kill all the baby boys two years of age and younger. Can you imagine? You think abortion's bad and it is? There's one state right now that's saying a baby can live for 28 days and they'll call abortion after that? What about two years of age? Just because the government says this child could be a nuisance, let's go ahead and kill it. Two years of age. But Jochebed said, not killing my baby. Not going to do that to my boy. The Bible lets me know that what happened. Fearing he would find, that the Pharaoh would find Moses, she conceived a plan. And she goes out and she makes the bulrushes and she makes a little boat, a little ark. And she takes her baby that's still being fed from the breast and takes that baby and puts it in a homemade ark amongst the reeds in the Nile River that's infested with alligators and God only knows what else snakes and so forth that eating that kid alive. Had she done that today, she'd probably be serving jail time for not being a good parent. I remind you, it just so happened while that baby was there that Pharaoh's daughter, Hamshet Soot was her name. Tradition says she was an ugly woman. 
sporting a mustache. And she was a girl. But she saw that baby and said, it must be one of the Hebrew babies. And about that time, Moses' sister Miriam stepped out and said, hey, that baby's hungry, been crying. Who knows how long it's eaten? Well, him should soot couldn't feed it. And she said, I know a Jewish woman that can nurse that child for you. And she said, go get her and I'll pay her. Isn't God something? Amen. So Miriam runs and gets her mom and said, Mama, come and get Moses and feed him. And Pharaoh's daughter will pay you for it. God has some ways. Let me tell you, God honors faith and God honors radical faith sometimes as well. Remember, Moses started out as a basket case and God used him. Understand that. Moses started out as a basket case. So what's our excuse today? God can use us. And Exodus 2, 6 says, And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. So she called one of the servants who just happened to be, you'll never guess, Jochebed, and told Jochebed to nurse the baby for her and that she would pay her to do it all as well. God honored the faith of Jochebed and her husband Amram. But let me remind you of something. God honors reckless faith. God honors radical faith. And what not makes sense here made sense. Can you imagine people saying, don't put that baby out there. Let's just hide him in the closet. Let's just hide him under the bed. She said, no. Follow the Lord. Let me tell you, when you follow the Lord, it may not make sense, but boy, it sure makes for a miracle. Don't try to understand stuff in your mind. It'll never make sense when you do. Moses is now being raised in Pharaoh's house. He's in Pharaoh's palace, educated by the Egyptians, learning the Egyptian language, learning the culture of the Egyptians, being raised in the palace. But Moses never lost sight of the fact that he was a Jew. I wonder what happened as Moses' mama, Jochebed, was feeding the boy. What story she told him. What about God did she teach him? But one day Moses began to mingle among the Egyptians and he saw an Egyptian fighting a Hebrew. And you know what he did? He goes out and looks to the left and right and everywhere and he, and he killed the guy. You don't pick on this boy. Well, he thought he got away with murder, but he didn't. He was, his sin was exposed and he ran away. Moses spent 40 years on the back, 40 years in Pharaoh's court thinking he was somebody, but now he's about to spend 40 years in the desert thinking he's a nobody. But while he's there in that God-forsaken desert one day, he sees a bush that's burning, but it's not consuming. And he walks up to us out of curiosity, and God speaks and said, Moses, you're on holy ground. Take off your shoes. Go back and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You see, God used Joseph to get the Jews in Egypt, and God used Moses to get the Jews out of Egypt. And he obeyed the word of God and he went. Let me remind you, Moses fled to the wilderness where he lived as a shepherd for several years. He married, had his own family, but it was in that wilderness that God called him to go back to Egypt and he went back to Egypt and he was able to free the people. You know the rest of the story. He returned, but Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Through a series of plagues, through a series of miracles, he finally allowed, Pharaoh did allow the, uh, the Jews to free that area. And now they were leaving and as they were walking up, they came to the Red Sea. They couldn't go to the left they couldn't go to the right. They couldn't return. What did they do? A body of sea. Stretch out your, your hand, Moses. And the rod of Moses became the rod of God. And the entire Red Sea parted. 
They walked across on dry ground, and then all of a sudden, the Egyptians and the uh, chariots followed them, and they all drowned in the Red Sea. Somebody said, oh, pastor, that's a foolish story. They went through the Sea of Reeds. It's only four or five inches deep. Well, then praise God, another miracle. God drowned the whole Egyptian army in four inches of water. <laughs> it was the Red Sea. Now they're going toward the promised land. They still had outward conflicts and inward conflict, but one miracle after another happened. But God honored the servant and God honored his word that time. Through the leadership of Moses, God gave them the priesthood. He gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the tabernacle. He gave them Jewish law and everything that made a Jew a Jew. Now the stories of Moses, the story of Jochebed, the journey through the Red Sea, the journey out of Egypt, all of that is center part of the Bible. And the story of Moses began with the parents, Amram and Jochebed, but especially Jochebed. Their faith was so remarkable that they placed them in the great hall of faith chapter in Hebrews chapter number 11. Notice if you will, they, their, their faith was recognized, their faith was remembered, and their faith was recorded in order that we might learn lessons from people of such quality of faith. Notice a few things about Jochebed this morning. First of all, here was a mom who saw potential in her son. Too many moms and dads see kids as a nuisance. And too many moms and dads in our culture today do not see any potential whatsoever in their children. They're lambasted, they're cussed at, uh, you're dumb, you're an idiot, you'll never amount to anything. I uh, can't wait till you turn 18 to get underneath my roof. And, and, and what's that do for a child? Children are a heritage of the Lord, and they are precious to have. And, the, and we know they're not precious. A lot of people, look at the abortion rate in America and around the world today. They're getting rid of them often. Look at the rhetoric we have in our streets today uh, when this politically leaked document about the, the, the potential of what the Supreme Court is planning on doing about Roe Ro versus Wade uh, uh, this coming uh, June. And look at the rhetoric and the, feed, uh, the feedback we're getting from it now. The anger, the poison. I'm appalled to know that our society is so bloodthirsty in murdering children in the name of political correctness. It blows my mind. I heard a lady that used to be working, that used to work, and some of you were at that meeting as she worked for Planned Parenthood. And she was, for years, she just listened to the rhetoric, just listened to the to, to the people that were promoting, thought it was women's health, until one day she was asked to help the doctor perform an abortion. It rocked her world. When she saw that instrument inserted into that woman, and I'm very graphic, I better not, we have children here. It was terrible to say what she saw. And she became an advocate now for sparing babies. It was somewhere in New York, I believe it was, if I remember the story correctly, that on the ground floor of one big high rise was Planned Parenthood. When women go to Planned Parenthood, they have to pay for the ultrasound. So they would send them upstairs to the woman's choice and they would do the, uh, the uh, ultrasound for free. So one lady went up there I don't want you to talk me into nothing or out of nothing. I'm having an abortion. I just want my free ultrasound. Lady said, have a seat, fill the paperwork out. And she said, oh God, give me wisdom. I'm paraphrasing. Oh God, give me wisdom. And so they brought her into the room and put her on the table. 
and she's having conversations. She was so, the woman was so stoic, nothing to say. And she took the instruments of God, what do I do? What do I say? Do you want to look at the baby? No, I do not. So she put the machine on, and the Holy Spirit just saying, ask her if she wants to touch her baby. Come on, God, you can do better than this. Ask her if she wants to touch her baby. God, something better. Ask her if she wants to touch her baby. And finally the woman said, honey, would you like to touch your baby? She said, what? Would you like to touch your baby? And she looked over and she said, put your hand on your stomach. And said, so as she did, miraculously, that little baby reached up as if though he had touched her hand through her stomach. Needless to say, she did not abort that child. Jochebed said, nobody's going to kill my baby. I see potential. I see potential. We need to see potential within our children today, friends. Notice, if you will, the Bible said, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And in and, and, and Exodus 2, 2, it says, uh, he was a proper child. Then it said, the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Acts 7, 20. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up his father's house three months. Godly child exceedingly fair. You know what it says? My baby's cuter than yours. My baby's better than yours. My baby has potential. That's what she was saying. Remember, that was reaction to parents. She loved him and she expected things of him and he could expect things from them. She thought he was the cutest, the smartest, the most wonderful little boy in all the world. She had a big biblical view of children. So many people think our children are a bother or they are a nuisance. And they're not. Many would rather leave child rearing to the babysitter, to the daycare, to the, to the schools, uh, to the churches, and to the athletes, or to the coaches. And it's not their responsibilities, friends. They can help what we're doing. And, but I'm telling you, it's hard for the church to resurrect what the home life puts together. Thank God for a child that's born to a family that sees potential in that child and does everything that they can to help foster and grow and nourish that potential within that particular child. That's what Jochebed thought. Circumstances were against him at his birth. Problems were mounting up against his birth, but she committed him to the Lord and the biblical perspective for children. And she saw that a child was a gift from the Lord, a heritage of the Lord. And that's what the Bible said. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them that they should not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Secondly, here was a mom that did the right thing regardless of the cost. The Bible said that they were not afraid of the king's commands. She and her husband violated the law of that day by hiding that kid in the bulrushes. Generally, we are to obey the laws of the land. We are to teach our children to obey the laws of the land. Uh, we are to make sure that the laws of the land are obeyed. We have many examples in the Bible commanding us to obey the laws. However, there's a time to break the law. When the laws of man violate the word of God, we've got to make up our mind which one we're going to believe. Paul, uh, Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than man. There are many examples in the Bible of people obeying God rather than man, obeying God rather than laws of the world. 
Daniel, the three Hebrew children, Jesus, the apostles, and even Paul himself. But I remind you, brothers and sisters, in spite of the command of the king, Jochebed took her son. And that verse says that they were not afraid. I believe that Moses became a great man of courage, a great man of faith, is because it was instilled in his life uh, by the mother and the father that loved him and said, we love you too much to allow Pharaoh to kill you or the world to destroy you. You're going to amount to something, boy. I'm kind of like one guy said one time, go ahead and take your medicine. One day God's going to use you. I think you had that HGTV thing going on, whatever you call it. If there's a no swimming sign on the lake and a guy's out there, Charlie, you're out there boating, your boat goes down and you can't swim and I'm on the side, I'm going to swim out and get you. Did I break the law? I'm going to save you. And sometimes you've got to obey the Lord rather than the world. I've got to hurry. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Beloved, we have tremendous influence in the lives of our children. We teach some by what we say. We teach more by what we do. But we teach the most by who we are. If our kids see us fudging on our income taxes, we've taught them to cheat. If our kids hear us tell a white lie, we've taught them how to lie. I never will forget when our son was, my wife took our daughter to school in, in Virginia and I took the son to school. And back in the day when the pumps of gas came out where you'd insert the credit card, I never did that. So one morning I thought, I, I feel a little, a little, little, little good here. I'm going to have some fun with my boy. So I go out and I filled up my gas tank with a credit card and got in the pocket, put a receipt in my pocket and got the car and said, let's hurry up and go. I said, I think I can, I can beat the rap here, man. Nobody saw me get the gas and, and I can go. And, and my son said, you ain't my dad. You wouldn't do that. So I had to explain to him that I had paid with the pump. It's a new feature out there, but I was glad to hear him say that. Beloved, we have a tremendous influence on our kids. They are watching us with eagle-like eyes. Mom's dad and our children grandchildren are watching us with eyes of a hawk. The decisions we make, the choices we make, the sacrifices we make, the way we go through trials, the way we respond to problems in this world, the way we handle adversity, the way we treat people, the way we love or do not show love, the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we're honest, it tells them something. We not, they're not always going to hear what we say, but they will always watch what we do, and they will often mimic that. And their character will be modeled by and large, by what we model before them. Thirdly, here was a mom who lived her faith out before her son. By faith, Moses, when he come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith now moves from parent to child. Jochebed's plan was to see that he would be taken care of. Now, can you imagine? As she is feeding him, as she, I don't know how, I, I got a feeling he came back to home to see Jochebed every day of his life. He'd leave the palace of Pharaoh and come and see. What did she talk? She probably taught him about Abraham. She probably taught him about Joseph. She taught him about the God of Israel, a creation. She began to teach him everything that she could. She herself was a tremendous example of faith. How many of you would send your child into a river that can't even talk or walk or crawl that's infested with alligators or crocodiles? No wonder Moses wasn't afraid of the Red Sea. He'd already had his bout in the Nile River. 
And she was able to teach him. Her teaching and her example would turn Moses into a man of faith, into a man of courage, into a man of doing something. And when he grew older, he would choose to serve God and not serve the world. Hopefully children will see the real faith in your life and mine and come to the age of accountability. Let me say this. We cannot transfer our faith to our children the way we pass on our family traits. But we can live our lives before our children that when they come to the age of accountability, they will want to know the God that we serve. And they want to know the Christ that we love. And we can lead them to the saving knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May we as parents and grandparents and even great-grandparents be a godly example to our kids. May we be that teacher to lead the child to the saving knowledge of the Lord. Friend, we can't just depend upon Royal Rangers and missionettes and youth and children's ministry in the church uh, to do what we ought to be doing at home. I realize that many of us have struggled through the years with family devotions. How many have struggled with family devotions? Amen. Why not just have a devotional family? We used to sit down with our kids at night and read the Bible. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it got boring. Not because of the Word of God, it just got boring. It was just something we did for the sake of doing it. The Spirit wasn't in it. But we felt like we had to do it. But we just started sitting around the dinner table and talking about the Bible, talking about a subject in the Word of God. And that might turn into 35, 40 minutes, sometimes an hour, sometimes a couple of days, just because we're talking about something that was of interest to them from the Scripture. So rather than having family devotions, we had a devotional family. Fourthly, here was a mom who helped her son see beyond the world, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He learned to walk by faith, trusting God in difficult times. How did he learn this? He learned it by godly parents, Amram and Jochebed. They walked what they talked. Jochebed inspired hope in the heart of Moses. She encouraged him. How many times have you and I been down, discouraged, and depressed, and a mom came and lifted us up? How many times have we been ready to give up and throw in the towel, and mom would encourage us? How many people in this world have loved you unconditionally in spite of yourself? How many people in this world believes in you when they didn't always believe in what you were doing? How many, how many people in this world will take off you and take off of you and then turn around and love you? Very few people except a mother. You can call help and they'll be there. Fourthly, here was a mom who helped her son see beyond the world choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the sin for a season. Do you see your kids as a blessing or as a burden? A blessing, a burden, both. <laughs> Sometimes it's both. Let's get on God's side of the issue and let's see them as a blessing. Love those little ones, train them, discipline them, encourage them. Speak with them and to them and help them find the will of God for their lives. I, I want to say something in closing this morning. One of the hardest things that I think Jochebed and Amron had to do was this. An infant that was still being breastfed, she takes and places in a homemade boat. How many of you moms would have done that and sit there to see what was going on? But she turned and she walked away. There comes a time in every one of our lives, the greatest love you can do is commit your child or children to God and walk away. 
and let him take care of it. And that's the hardest thing in the world to do because we want to fix it. We want to help it. We want to tell them what to do. But sometimes when we don't know what to do, they've got to learn to fall down and learn to get up on their own sometimes. And the hardest thing to do is simply to walk away. Commit them to God and walk away from them can be hard. But Amram and Jochebed did that by placing him in that crocodile-infested river. Be the godly example on a daily basis to your children, to your grandchildren. Pray for them. God's answering prayer. God is moving. God is doing things that we don't even see. Explain the gospel to them. Understand and help them seek salvation. Stay faithful to church. Stay faithful in the word. Continue to pray for them wherever they are. I'm convinced that the faith and the faithfulness of Jochebed and Amram was instrumental in making Moses the man that he was. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he was old, he shall not depart.